Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Remember that market enthusiasm fueled by some potentially very good news on the COVID-19 front. Well, that was so yesterday. Today, vaccine experts are questioning the data, saying there's not enough information to know yet whether the results are impressive or not. That news led U.S. stocks to finish broadly lower following a choppy session of trade. The Dow fell 1.6%. The Nasdaq and S&P 500 were in the red as well. And remember that biotech company that led the charge, Moderna? Its shares surged 20% on Monday to 80 U.S. dollars a share. Where are they now? Well, many investors cashed in. Moderna shares tumbled 10% during the day and are down another 6% in after-hours trade. Joining me now for a look at the story and much, much more is CEO and Executive Director of the VFS Group, Jack Cousy. Jack, joining us live from Sydney. Jack, how are you? It's been a while. Good morning, Michelle. It has been a while. I'm excited to be back on. Hello to everybody in Singapore and around the world, wherever you're listening to us. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate your time. If you Google the phrase, Jack, stocks rally on vaccine hopes, a lot of entries turn up back in February, again on April 18th, April 29th, May the 5th, and again yesterday. So in this latest case, Moderna's findings could still turn out to be a breakthrough. We just don't know yet. But the market's glow over the results has faded rather quickly. What do you make of it all? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, like you alluded to when we before I came on. We had a massive rally on Monday. You know, markets in the U.S. up over 4% in general, on the really on the back of promising, well, what we think are promising results from Moderna. And interesting what kind of stocks rallied. I mean, we saw airlines rally, uh, retail stocks were rallying, you know, indicating people were hopeful we could get back to some type of normalcy. Um, look, you're always going to have people question these results. I listened to the CEO. Uh, he appeared on uh, CNBC on Monday, and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he spoke in a very calm manner. He talked about it was still fails one, but they were, they were looking at promising results. In general, I believe that we are going to find a vaccine. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a medical doctor. I, I don't come from that. But from everything I'm reading, and the, the point I believe why we'll find a vaccine on corona is nothing in history has ever stopped us like this. Mm. Nothing has shut down economies like this. Uh, and... When you look at history, we have uh, found vaccines for things like polio, and it took four or five years. I just believe that because science has dropped everything, because the world is uniting uh, to find a vaccine, I believe we'll, we'll find one quicker than, than we, when we think. Moderna's results are promising. You know, viewers out there or listeners have got to think about Johnson & Johnson, you know, who three to four weeks ago the CEO came out and said they, they had very promising results on, on what they were looking. And they were so promising that they were prepared to produce millions and millions of vials and keep them on supply in anticipation of FDA approval. So I'm an optimist, whether it's Moderna, whether it's Johnson Johnson or some other pharmaceutical company, I believe the world's coming together to find that vaccine. And it's essential that we do. Um, you know, we really need some type of you know, care or ailment for people to, to realise that they can go back and, and do normal things and, and, and restart the economy. Yeah, I'm an optimist, uh, so I share that view with you. And plus, Moderna is powered in part by Amazon's uh, search engine to, to some extent, I heard. And, you know, yeah. yeah, so I have full faith in that. Interesting, interesting tidbit about Moderna, right? So I think they will value mm. that $30 billion as of yesterday. Um, how many products or services do you think Moderna actually has in the market? Uh, three. Zero. 
Really? <laughs> they have nothing in the they're selling. This could be that. I mean, there's a lot of things that they're testing and producing, but I, I read this few days ago. Yeah, they've got nothing. This could be their actually first, you know, product that, that, that they would sell on the market. The interesting point about the um, that I would like to raise is, mm. and they asked the CEO in the, in the interview, and they said, well, where are we going to price this? You know, where do we price it? Mm. Who gets the vaccine? Um you know, do, do countries share the vaccine? Is this become, you know, uh, IT? You know, that's, that's some other questions that you, we really got to ask ourselves when, when we get down that path. But I, but I believe in science. I believe in the human spirit. Um, and I believe we're going to find a, a solution to this. And I think we're going to do it quicker than we've ever done in human history. So. That is so interesting. No product on market, but a real big boy market valuation for Moderna. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I want to switch gears just a little bit. The big question facing governments and markets right now is how do you reopen economies? So what should open first and how fast? You know, Jack, here in Singapore, the government has released details on our next phase uh, post what we call circuit breaker. So manufacturing and professional services will reopen from June the 2nd. But retail stores and dine-in restaurants are going to remain closed. So economists are now debating whether the pace of reopening will extend Singapore's recession. Jack, I want to ask you, based on your experience in Australia, where you're joining us from, what do you make of Singapore's approach? Yeah, so for the listeners, um, Australia started to reopen last Friday and we went from really a complete shutdown uh, to you could have 10 people in a restaurant or a cafe. Uh, and then we went to you could have 10 people indoors, a family or friends, you know, and you could hold a barbecue and then we're hopefully going to progress it and go forward. I think the question in markets at the moment and that we're facing as, as human beings is do we, how, how quickly do we reopen? When do we reopen? Do we reopen at all? Firstly, I'm of the opinion that we need to reopen. We, we need to start getting back to some type of economic activity and some type of economic growth because shutting down economies like we have done for an extended period will not lead to recessions. They will lead to depressions, and that's the thing that we want to avoid. And the real question that we need to ask ourselves now is health versus wealth. You know, what health do we sacrifice for wealth? And, I, you know, when I talk about wealth, I'm talking about jobs and income so that we can put food um, on our tables and have a shelter over our, over our homes that, that people want to do. So I applaud governments for taking the action. I think it's going to be a slow process. From what I can see around me here in Australia mm-hmm. is people are still observant. We're still seeing social distancing. Um, you know, people are, are wary. You know, sanitation is, is, has grown. Uh, hygiene has grown. You've got, you know, uh, washing stations everywhere. I think... The, the beauty about what Singapore and Asia has, as opposed to maybe in Australia, is, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, masks are more common um, in Singapore and Asia, whereas in Australia we're, we're, it's, it's not as common, which I think is, is a very good defender in terms of spreading the, the disease. So I applaud these. We will see spikes, there's no doubt. I mean, we're starting to see some of the spikes out of some of the US states that have reopened. We will see spikes. It's just a question of how quick these spikes are. We, we, we need to enter the new world as quickly as possible so we can start to um, start to you know, get flexible towards the new world. So I, I applaud it. It's going to be an up-and-down process. But I have no doubt in saying to you, Michelle, we need to start getting back to some economic activity because we can't do what we're doing um, right now for an extended period of time. 
Speaking of all that activity and, and on the point of openness to the world, if we went back to the 1980s, Australia, in my mind, was symbolized by Paul Hogan, the actor who played Crocodile Dundee, who made these tourism commercials for Australia, which we all watch, offering to put another shrimp on the Barbie for us international visitors, right? So with Australia making good strides curbing COVID-19 infections, your economy is still largely closed off to the rest of the world. So as the world emerges from lockdowns, is Australia returning to the 80s? A time when high tariffs kept it isolated. Yeah, um, I mean, we're trying to forget the Paul Hogan days, Michelle. Please don't remind us. Of that. <laughs> you know, a lot more than the shrimp on the barbie and crocodile Dundee. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got our own problems. I think we're in a good uh, a good spot at the moment. We've kept we've got the disease under control very well. Uh, we've done a very good job, and I got to applaud government and, and authorities down here. Um, we still have a vibrant domestic economy, which is starting to reopen. We have a strong financial situ- uh, institution, and yes, we are closed off. You know, we're an island, so we may be seen also as a safe haven. Um, mm. A country that's developed, a country that's an island, um, a country that's got the disease, has got very good health facilities, it's still got a low population. So, you know, I actually feel like we might be seen as a safe haven here, mm. and that might see some flow of US, um, from some flow of dollars into our markets and into our equity markets. So, I'm quite bullish. Aussie markets in general. You're bullish um, on Aussie dollar think, as well? Yeah, well, if you if your listeners think about it, if there is more money flowing into Australia, you it's coming from overseas. So uh, by matter of fact, you've got to sell whatever, so let's say Singaporeans, you've got to sell your SGD and you've got to buy Aussie, which should, you know, increase the demand for the Aussie and push that dollar up. So, you know, it's not very good for me, the Aussie dollar being up because we hold so much assets in the US and overseas, but I am optimistic and, and quite bullish about Australian prospects. The one thing that we do have at the moment is we're in the midst of pretty much a trade war with China, um, mm. who's not very happy with us, around us uh, calling for an investigation in COVID-19. So they've, they've placed some, some big tariffs on us in terms of our meat exports and now barley, and they're also threatening some, some more tariffs. So we have that. But I think as an insulated economy, if that's where people are going to be looked towards risk on, I think we're going to do very well out of it um, mm-hmm. locally, yeah. I want to turn to the commodity market. June oil contracts, Jack, expired overnight. But what a difference a month makes. I mean, back in April, oil prices plunged into negative territory. Today, they're in the 30 US dollar range. Briefly, uh, what is your take on black gold? Um I mean, we've spoken about oil a few times. I'm not a big fan of it long term. Let's just let's just examine what happened last month. Mm. Uh, you know, you spot basically it was getting more expensive to store oil than to give it away, and that's what necessarily happened. So, you were, what happens with oil producers or oil producing countries in general is they don't really stop producing regardless of the price. They just keep pumping it out. Uh, now, no one anticipated where oil was going to go during this. This issue. So essentially, they had all these oil supplies and nowhere to supply. What we are starting to see is a tip. So we're starting to see traffic rising around the world. We're even starting to see um, airplane movements. I mean, they're still 90% down, but I was reading statistics out of the US where you know they were up on the month. So there's a bit of optimism that we're going to start rejigging the economy and, uh, you know, that oil, which is, you know, most of oil production or 60% of oil production is used in a car or a plane or a truck. So mm. I think that's where that's coming. In general, though, if you said to me, do I believe that oil is going back to 50, 60? I don't believe so. I think we're going to see a cap on oil around the $40 mark. Um, and that's because, in general, we're moving away from oil. So... 
what a what a what a what a change a month makes. Um, but. Yeah, long-term, I'm not bullish about the prospects as well. All right, I've got 60 seconds on the clock, Jack. Asian markets are mixed this morning. Tokyo is up. Sydney is down. Seems like a lot of churn. What do you see in Singapore stocks? Well, in general, I see Asia as the future. Uh, Asia is the centre of the economic world. It has the largest population. It has the biggest emerging middle class. Uh, It is growing quicker. And if you want to talk about globalization retreating, which will probably happen because of accelerated to the COVID-19, what we will move into, Michelle, is regionalism. And if that does, I implore your um, listeners to look it up. Asia is the place to be. So, um, you know, it's always been a a key premise. And, you know, you know know my thoughts about China. So I'm very Mm. bullish Asian stocks, very bullish Asian companies going forward. All right. Appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Jack Cousy there, director of the VFS Group. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.